0: Hi, everyone. My name is Eric Arno and this is part two of the Interlocked Presents Your Stories July 2014 podcast, again featuring the theme of circus. That's because this month we're spotlighting some of the great people behind the Upstairs Gallery and their upcoming comedy festival, the Jangleheart Circus. Uh, tickets are available for, for Jangleheart right now. One dollars pass gets you three days of great comedy, including a brand new Nerdalog show on that Saturday, which is August 23rd. You cannot beat that. So go to www.jangleheartcircus.com for more info and the aforementioned tickets. But maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves right now. Uh, we should probably enjoy this episode first. So this month, we've got local comedy folks Katie Johnston-Smith and Sarah Ashley, actor-producer extraordinaire and artistic director of the Versus the Universe Production Collective, Aaron Amendola, and local comics artist Kevin Budnick, plus the usual music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and Claire Friedman. So besides the upcoming Django Hard Show, the only nerd thing I can tell you about right now uh, is to keep listening to our podcasts. Like, for instance, the Nerdalogcast, which alternates Mondays with your stories, or Talking Games with Tim and Clayton, which comes out every Tuesday, or MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, our Wednesday release. You can enjoy all of these for free on our website at www.nerdalogs.com. There's also some really cool stuff coming up that I can't tell you about yet, but you'll know as soon as as I can. And a great way to keep up on that news is to go to our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash v-nerdalogs. Everyone got that? Alright, cool. So enjoy this episode, and uh, we'll catch you soon. So... <laughs> The, the song that we were going to play now was a, a Chili Pepper song, and you are going to hear Dwight rap like Anthony Kiedis, but we opted <laughs> not to do that, so I'm it is sorry, It's a, <laughs> uh, like, no like a bad
1: song. There's no other reason. It was just a bad
0: song. So we're going to do, if you don't mind, just a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, back when we played music at the Upstairs Gallery, Claire didn't really perform with us. It was darker times for, for this group up here, and darker we did some songs Ohio, that we have see. since come to incorporate Claire on, and, and this is one of them, and it's also a thing that you might find at a certain... This is 99 Red Balloons. <laughs>
1: And here it is, a red balloon. I think of you and I let it go. Claire Friedman. What happened? What know. All
0: right. How about some stories, everybody?
1: Yeah.
0: So we usually kick things off with a member of the Nerdalogues just to... Suck- <laughs> But tonight, we're going to go with, I, I guess, an, an adjunct right now. Uh, this, this fine young lady is helping us on our latest show, The Lord of the Wrigley, which is playing for two more weeks here on this very stage. This is Katie Johnson-Smith. Hi, I'm Katie Johnson-Smith.
2: Um, winter was terrible this year, and all of God's children barricaded themselves in their apartments and holed up in their minds just trying to make it through. As soon as hints of spring trickled through the ice and snow, the freaks peeked out from their warm winter tents and decided to fuck shit up. (laughs) When I say the freaks, I mean literally everyone in the known universe, We all went crazy, showed our tragic flaws to each other, were terrified, and either got engaged or broke up. This is not an engagement story. (laughs) I met my husband when I was 20 years old. We both signed up for the same summer intensive class at the Second City and enjoyed a whirlwind romance during Chicago's most magical and non-depressing season. First kisses in the rain outside of a podiatrist's office where he would later propose to me, makeouts in alleys, genital touching in dark theaters, and (laughs) hand-holding in the bright daylight led to something neither of us were expecting. Months after we met, he shipped off to Ukraine with the Peace Corps, promptly quit upon arrival, and moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where I attended college. This was what I had always wanted. A cute boy to dote on me, tell me I'm pretty, and make me cream horns. I (laughs) knew That's right. (laughs) This was before I was vegan. Um, I knew it was love, and I let this dude know how I felt while I was barfing into a cardboard box in my bedroom on my 21st birthday. He reciprocated, not with the barfing, but with the love professing. And maybe it's because I went to college in the South, or maybe it's because I grew up super Christian, like with purity ring and everything, or maybe it's because it's what I really wanted, but something in me insisted that I put the pressure on my man friend to propose to me my senior year of school. He did in a very grand and wonderful fashion, podiatrist office. And we were married when I was 23 and he was 25. I was the dreamer, and he dreamed with me. However, I think I dreamt a little too hard and left him no room for dreams of his own. I began to pull away because both of us over dreaming my dream became suffocating. I pulled so far away that I gave myself just enough room to do something really dumb. I kissed someone I shouldn't have kissed, and I regret doing that. I don't regret the conclusion it brought my husband and I to. Our marriage was no longer working. He lost himself in my dreams, and I was too busy chasing them to really notice. Sure, we could have gone to therapy and probably just delayed the inevitable, but we are two adult people who decided to move on before our marriage became a less-than-happy memory. And I really did like being married to that guy. I'm not ever going to say that I didn't he is a wonderful person and he was a fantastic husband and I think we both helped each other grow up and kept each other from growing up in different ways I would not trade the seven years we were together for anything my marriage is not a failure it is just over for a minute there I did feel like a circus freak because Thought I wasn't like everyone else. I fucked up. I did something dumb. But everyone makes mistakes and everyone fucks up. And we can let our mistakes colour us, but they should never define us. A bearded lady is more than just her beard. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for sharing, Katie. See you guys got real already. <laughs> There's six more stories to go. What's going to happen next? <laughs> so, we mentioned we have some folks from Upstairs Gallery in the house tonight. Uh, one of those fine people is going to come up right now. She didn't remember that she knew me because we did a show together that Kevin wow. Reader produced a few years ago, but that's okay. Sarah Ashley. <laughs> yeah, wonderfully funny person.
3: <clears throat> Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so my story is um, partly about a celebration and partly about how I felt like a circus freak. Um, the summer before my senior year of high school was the first summer I felt really cool. Sophomore year had been kind of my transition. Junior year was me really harnessing who I was, and I went to film camp the summer before my senior year, and I felt awesome, and it was in Los Angeles. And I had, um, I had bought this really cool tank top that w- that I thought was like really absurd and it was lace and sweater material mixed together <laughs> and it had this bow on it and I was so excited and I was just waiting for an opportunity to wear it and at the end of the summer I got a phone call from a friend and he said hey Alex's birthday is on September 2nd um, so the last day of summer before the first day of school I forget how the dates aligned that year. Uh, but on the last day of summer, you know, we're gonna have a surprise party. No, he said we're gonna have a birthday party for him. It was a surprise party. I didn't know the surprise party part. <laughs> so, um, in my mind, it's, oh, we're having a, we're having a birthday party for Alex. Finally, I get to wear this cool tank top. Um, you can imagine, you know, my obsession with being cool at this time because i thought a tank top would really cinch the deal for me (laughs) um and so i i spent hours getting ready for this thing i went and i bought this kid a birthday present because he was such a cool guy and i was like oh if i give him a funny dvd he'll think i'm funny um (laughs) and i'll wear i'll wear my my orange and blue tank top those colors are different i'm different and i'm cool and everyone's gonna get it here at this party before senior year, the best year of my life. Um and so I show up, I pull up to Alex's house just as another car is pulling up, and in it is Alex and this girl, Kayla, and a guy named Pat and a guy named Skylar. I'm trying to like recreate the people here. So there's there's four people in this van and they all pull up and they're kind they're like they look like they've been hanging out all day on a boat. Like they've got like a little cooler and they've got towels and they're kind of in their flip-flops and board shorts and I'm like okay this is the party right and instead of just thinking that in my head I kind of walk up I'm like Alex hey your party I'm here for it and everybody (laughs) looked at me with the most awful expression of death and I, I was I, I didn't know, and I was so wrapped up in being cool and exciting and fun, and like going to this awesome end of the summer party that I didn't read the signs that were so plainly laid out in front of me that maybe I should just shut up. So right there in the driveway, I got like too excited, and I was like, "I got you a present for your birthday." Luke called me and said about your party, and all of these people were just like, "Oh," they they didn't say anything, which in retrospect. You know, give me a hand signal or say, Sarah, can I talk to you over here before you spoil it more? Um, So as we're walking, he was like, oh, this is weird. I didn't, okay. So he gets this confused expression on his face and he's like, well, why don't you just come in? We're going to hang out and have some dinner. And I knew right then. I was like, oh, I know exactly where the rest of this night is going so we all walk in through the garage door he opens the door for me so i can go in
4: first (laughs)
1: and i
3: see everybody that he and i know all of our friends you know and they all go surprise and alex is standing kind of behind me and he's like oh all right and everyone was like i had no idea but i had been at film camp how was i supposed to know but everybody had been planning this for a long time and like had meticulously planned the the trip to the lake to get everybody at alex's house so when they got back they would all be there and i spent then the, i had to stay at the party <laughs> it's someone's birthday you can't just leave so he was like thanks for the will farrell snl dvd and <laughs> Um, We stood around and I had an okay time and I remember some girl was like, that's a really weird tank top.
1: And I was like, (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um,
3: it was mortifying. And then on the drive home that night, I realized the party was not over because senior year was just starting. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Sarah. Man, I remember uh, graduation party summer, like right after senior high school. I gave some truly awful gifts. I gave a girl I liked a a $20 Flintstones check. Like, I got a Flintstones (laughs) checkbook and wrote her a check for $20. I'm like, yeah, she'll think this is cool. Nah, didn't happen. (laughs) Thanks, guys. You're welcome. All right. Coming up next, another newcomer to the Your Story stage. This is one of the very talented people behind the uh, Versus the Universe production collective. He has a new video coming out tomorrow that I imagine he will tell you about. Aaron Amendola. Yeah! <laughs> Are you going to tell them or should I say what it is? Uh,
6: this is just a five-minute commercial
0: for the video tomorrow. Sorry. I was right. <laughs> <Yeah>.
6: <laughs> uh, first off, that's a badass name. Production Collective? I mean, yeah. I'm using it. You do, right? Um, yeah, so, so uh, I've been to a bunch of these. This is my first time telling a story, so this is terrifying. Um, uh, yeah. 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 Yay, introverts. Um, all right, so, so the suggestion was circus, and I read this website uh, called Polygon.com, and they cover uh, an event called E3, and they said, hey, E3 is like a circus. And I'm like, that's my end. Um, so uh I, I, I love video games. Uh any three covers video games. I I I had prompts on my phone, my phone broke, so I'm I have my prompts on my PlayStation Vita. Uh <laughs> I'm the person that owns a PlayStation Vita. Um, I'm the one. And uh so so the very first memory I have of anything is playing Super Mario Bros. with my mom. Uh, and I was pretty good. I was like two, but I couldn't make it through the water levels because I didn't know you had to press jump repeatedly to swim. And my mom's smart. She's like, you got to do it repeatedly. And I'm like, thanks. I was too. Uh, I said that to her, I guess in this recollection. Um, but my very first memory of playing a video game was with my mom. Uh, and it's always been one of those things that I hold really near and dear to my heart. And I think that's why I'm so hellbent on, Video games being a platform for equality and for for being for being a shared space. Um, that being said, uh, hey, Assassin's Creed is cool. Um, <laughs> I like stabbing dudes in the throat. And uh, so, Assassin's Creed has had a bunch of games come out, and usually it's a big white dude or Native American dude or uh, black dude you know, stabbing guys in the throat. Um, and they had this one game where you play as a black slave woman uh, stabbing dudes in the throat, and I was like, this is really cool. Like, you have this game and it's, it's all about, e- you know, not about equality, you're stabbing dudes in the throat.
1: Um, <laughs>
6: redact all that. But uh, uh, they, they announced a new game and it's called Assassin's Creed Unity and it stars four white dudes. And I was like, that's odd. Um, all right, whatever, they, they paid their dues in the past. Um, and so somebody said, like, why don't we see a woman as one of the main characters? And they gave a pretty bullshit answer um, of it would take too much time to animate. So I don't know why one of the biggest production game studios in the world can't spend an extra two days animating a woman. I think it's pretty bullshit. Nor the fact that the most famous assassin during the French Revolution was, in fact, a woman. Nor the fact that you have precedent for this in the past. It pisses me off. Um, so I, I wrote a blog post about it, and I got death threats. Oh, no.
1: Um is,
6: is, uh, uh, this is my first rodeo. Uh, but, uh, but that made me think, like, I put it at the end of the blog post, if you feel differently, you should contact me. I'd love to have a discussion with you about it. Um, and it made me think about my, uh, my top five favorite gaming moments. Um, so number five is Resident Evil 4. Uh, so good. I remember when that game came out, my parents and I redecorated our basement to look like these walls. And my four friends and I got way too many Cheetos and Mountain Dew, and we played all of Resident Evil 4, all two discs. It was amazing. Um, and I felt like my parents really connected with me for once. They like, we're going to combine architecture plus Resident Evil. Um, so that's cool. Uh, number four is Final Fantasy VI. Um, I played through it the first time when I was very sick, living in an apartment with my parents on 1144 Ruling Avenue in Erie, PA. Uh, Final Fantasy VI is my favorite game. And the first time I played it, I didn't realize that these two characters, this ninja dude and his dog, Interceptor, I didn't realize that you can reunite them. And the first time I played it, that didn't happen. second time I played it, a few years later, I reunited them and I felt really happy.
1: Um, <laughs>
6: I've, I might have had one single tear. Um, number three, uh, Bioshock Infinite. That, that game gave me so many different ideas about Fate, consequence, religion, politics, all these different things, and I, I thought about it. <laughs> and I just thought it was really cool that a medium could make me think that way. Um, number two is Minecraft, because my nephew, who I love more than anything in the entire universe, is 500 miles away, and I get to make a castle that you can only enter via waterfall and then blow up the castle when you get inside. Uh, his 11-year-old mind, combined with that game, have given me so many things. Um, number one is a tie between... The time I finished Star Fox 64 and screamed, I am Star Fox, at the top of my lungs, thus waking up my parents. Um, The time that I finished Final Fantasy VIII and as the credits rolled, I was like, this is what a breakup feels like. Um, (laughs) If you played the freaking game, you'd know. Uh, But number one is, um, when I was really young, Super Mario Kart just came out, and none of the rental stores had it. Back when rental stores were a thing, we went to... uh, blockbuster far more sun electronics and you could not find it so my dad and I went to sears because my dad thought it was a rental store and uh <laughs> he's old uh and and he goes, "Son, do you want me to rent the game?" and I'm like, "Yeah," cuz I was stupid, I didn't know. Um and so we brought a game to the counter and the guy's like, "That'll be $60," which adjusted for inflation is like $90 today. So think about it. My dad was about to drop $60 or $90 on a game. Um and I remember him being like, "Oh, son, do you want me to buy you the game? And I was like, no, Dad, you don't need to spend any dollars on a game. And he was like, no, I'll do it. And one, it shows how clearly the Roman Catholic guilt was instilled in me that I told my dad at the age of 10, you don't need to buy me a video game I really, really want. But it showed how, you know, my dad's a badass. Um it was really cool. But it's because of those moments that... Uh, I feel like gaming should be a really shared space. I feel like it should be a, sh- a safe place for everyone. Um, so when I received death threats for saying, like, why can't there be a woman in the game? Um, I decided to engage. And that's why uh I got into a Twitter battle with the guy. Uh, uh, I ended up following him so I could send direct messages because I'm like, my follower doesn't need to see this. Um, but some of the things that he said were... uh if women role models Are so important to women Why don't you let them Fight for it You're belittling them Women have looked down At me my entire life For my hobbies Why should I treat them Any differently now
1: <laughs> I know <laughs> um,
6: I've told them I like video games Since the age of 16 uh, Women have been Bitching to me About my hobbies And uh, my My ph- Exactly My whole philosophy Is that You should en- engage uh, Trolls You shouldn't feed them you should engage them um so we got to talking and i said i'm really sorry that you haven't had the same experiences that i had i'm really sorry that i can't provide for you an environment i'm really sorry that people have been looking down on you for this thing that you should feel incredibly proud about um, and he was like yeah you're a fag uh <laughs> which used to but eventually i coerced him into playing a game with me um I was like, this guy wants to kill me, so might as well let him kill me in virtual reality. Um, and so we got to talking, and talking eventually, over the course of like 45 minutes of this game, uh, playing in a co-op environment, I asked him, like, like I'm going to want to know why, you, why you're why you all against this. I want to know why you're so adamantly opposed to women being in this space. And I didn't get through to him. Um it just it's not enough time. Uh but I like to think that because of the experiences that games have given the mean and because of who my mother and father were and because of the experiences that I had, I can have that ripple throughout other people. Um and we're still friends on PlayStation. <laughs> um, uh and I like to believe that if he didn't want anything to do with my beliefs, he probably would have blocked me or something. Um But I think that some part of how I felt would have gotten through to him. Um, And seeing all the experiences that games have given to me, I hope that's one of the things that I can give to him. So, uh, guys, let's just be cool to each other and, like, (laughs) eat pizza and be chill.
1: That's
6: all I got. Okay. Bug Bug it. It. Alex, says plug it. it. All right. It. Hey guys, who likes musical theater?
1: Yeah.
6: Who likes video games? Yeah. What happens? It's like peanut butter and chocolate. What happens when you put those together? It's Reese's. Yeah, we're the Reese's pieces of stuff. Uh, Uh, my production company recently combined Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim with Mega Man by KJ and Afune and like those things go together really well Um, but my production company wants to bring geeky stuff to the arts and we want to continue doing that so hey guys tomorrow at 11am look for that video it's going to be pretty sweet what's it called? oh
0: it's called Mega Man No More yeah Mega Man is, is great favorite Mega Man game? What's your favorite Mega Man game? Can you pick one? Mega
6: Man or Mega Man X? Or Mega Man Battle Network?
0: Not X. Alright,
6: Mega Man (laughs) 2.
0: Two or three for me. You're alright, Aaron. (laughs) You're alright. So coming up next, we have a a veteran storyteller at this point, a a good friend of mine. He gave me the coolest birthday gift last week. Uh, He's a local comics artist. And I told him that I liked Bruce Springsteen and the Transformers, and he drew me his version of the cover to Transformers number 14, where the Autobots save Bruce Springsteen from the Decepticons. That is a true thing that happened in 1986, courtesy of Marvel Comics. It's a great picture. It's on my Facebook right now. Kevin Budnick. Yeah! Yeah!
5: Thanks, guys. Uh, you should look up that drawing not because I did it and because it it's, like, not that it's a good drawing, but just you should watch, see the original one. Like, the drawing of, I don't even know what... What what transformer it's is that? Hoist. 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 Okay, and he's, like, and Bruce Springsteen is, like, No! And Hoist is saving him from this, like, falling scaffolding. It's really funny. Uh, anyway. So, um... Uh, I'm just going to start. I have some stuff I need to say. Uh, I don't think there's a resolution at the end of the story, but um, I'm just going to go into it. This story starts out at the cafe I work at uh, about six months ago. I was in the dish pit in the back of the kitchen, up to my elbows in half-eaten quiche and wet bread. Uh, It smells in the dish pit. It's hot, it's humid, it's wet, and it's gross. Uh, So I'm sweaty with basil pesto in my hair and on my shirt, uh, when the manager calls me up front, she needs my help untangling the laptop, uh, the anti-theft cord, laptop anti-theft cord for a patron. Uh, I drew, I dry my hands on a filthy dish rag, uh, look up and I step out. The customer looks up and uh, meets my eyes and in a Johnny Unitas haircutted Brooks Brothers button down bro voice, I hear, Holy shit, Kevin Budnick, how the hell are you? Uh, Jimmy Murphy and I went to high school together. I was the Rogers Park kid tag-along to Jimmy's Kenilworth-born friend group. See, we city kids were a commodity. We were dangerous. We grew up on the mean streets of Park Ridge and Sauganash. We stole lawn gnomes.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so I got to ride along with privileged kids when we went to Gilson Beach to hang out uh, or up to Glencoe to buy Slurpees. But after Jimmy, or er, but after high school, our paths diverged. Jimmy went on to work for Merrill Lynch, and he gets so drunk with his bros that he can't make it up to Evanston to audit a bank. So he decides to work at the bourgeois fucking pig. And what are you up to, Budnick? I heard you're doing comic shit. Fucking a. <laughs> and as I fiddle with his anti-theft laptop cord, dripping in the leftovers of Lincoln Park brunchers, I think, Yeah, Jimmy, fucking a. Fucking A is right, <laughs> because I'm standing on this side of the counter, because I chose to pursue my dream after high school, and I like going home smelling like espresso and fried meat. It makes me feel like I earned my solid hour of drawing every day. So yeah, fucking A, here's your laptop cords. Good to see you. Now, I could stop there, but I, I won't, because the last time I heard from Jimmy wasn't that day. It was just about a week ago, and I'll tell you more about that later. Last week, I had one of the worst days at work I've had in a while. It rained in the morning, so I didn't get to ride my bike. Right away, that's a bummer. I'm a person who needs constant physical inertia. I can't sit, so riding the train, especially in the rain, especially like to Lincoln Park, is depressing. I get to work, and I'm agitated. I make the schedule for the following week, and we don't have enough hands on deck, so I'll have to work over 40 hours. And my car, which I hate in the first place, is dead, and my folks don't think it's a good idea for me to borrow theirs to go to my friend's wedding this weekend, so I have to scramble. And some lady from the hospital I was born at calls to yell at me about how our salads are bad, and bad, and not fresh, and bad, and just make it not bad. (laughs) By 2.30 I was fuming. 2.30 is when we shift change our baristas, and Mercedes comes in to take over. She's one of our best employees, and she's always a delight to see because I know that when I leave, everything's going to be fine. That's when Mercedes' mom comes in. She approached the register and asked quietly in a muted voice, Are you Kevin? And I say, Yes. She says, I'm Alma, Mercedes' mom, and there's been a death in the family. Immediately... All my self-righteous anger, all the indignance over salads and bikes and scheduling is gone. And the sight of Mercedes curled up in a ball on the iron patio chair where her mom has solemnly ushered her to, to tell her that her uncle had just committed suicide. That's never going to leave my mind. Because it made me realize that maybe my problems, my bullshit, it's just that. It's bullshit. Last time I talked to Jimmy, coming back to that, was last week. I got a text that said, did you hear about Ronan? Some of you guys might have known Dan Ronan. He was a rising star in the comedy scene. I went to high school with him. He was part of that group of guys who went around pegging beers and drinking them in basements and on beaches with ping pong tables and electronic basketball hoops. I didn't keep in close contact with him, but I heard that he was doing really well. I heard that he was following his dream. So all that bile towards Jimmy, when he texted me, it melted a little bit. No matter how diametrically opposite our lives are, Jimmy and I can't run from having shared a time in our lives. You, You can put a counter between us, you can put bits of hummus on my pants, and you can put a yacht party hangover on him, but we're both people who are fallible, who get mad, and who have demons.
0: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so I think, uh, thank you very much for sharing. I think at this point we're going to take like a five ten minute break. If you guys want to use the bathroom, grab a drink or something, we will meet back shortly for part two. So let's do it. Yeah. So something that's at a circus is clowns, and one type of clown. So we're gonna sing some insane clown posse now. Yeah. <laughs> um. You <laughs> guys, it was on the list. Um was this close <laughs> <laughs> one type of clown uh, you might say uh, is a joker
4: <laughs> some people call me the space cowboy some people call me the gangster of love Call me Maurice. No. Cause I speak of the barber, there's a love. People talk about me, baby. Say I'm doing you wrong, I play my music in the sun. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight joker, I get my loving on the run. thing that I ever did see really love your peaches wanna shake your tree lovey dovey lovey dovey all the time oh baby I'll show you a good time cause I'm a picker I'm a grinner I'm a lover and I'm a sinner Music in the sun Cause I'm a joker I'm a smoker. I'm a midnight toker I sure don't want You of the time. Cause I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner I play my music in the sun. Cause I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight joker.
0: Production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all.
4: I am Grabbot23548X.